Good morning everybody, it's Tuesday 23rd of March and another okay day on the market. We're up 26 points this morning. Wall Street was up 103 or the Dow Jones is up 103. Futures this morning were down 20 and it was all about interest rates overnight again. Interest rates fell for a little bit but if you look at the chart of the 10-year US 10-year bond yield you'll see it's still relentlessly rising even though we get a day up day down it is still in uptrend so not too much to be read from that. Jerome Powell fairly upbeat about the economy in a speech yesterday. Nasdaq was up 1.2% outperforming. Talk of a $3 trillion infrastructure bill, which will include controlling carbon emissions and narrowing economic inequality. US debt is now 145% of GDP, which is only beaten by Greece, Lebanon, Italy, Singapore, Bhutan, Mozambique and Angola than the US. So they are doing their bit for debt. Australian debt, by the way, 45% of GDP on the Trading Economics website, which is a very good website, by the way, if you're looking for any charts or anything like that or any economic numbers. US has $29 trillion worth of debt, which puts a $3 trillion infrastructure bill in perspective. The UK is at 100% of debt versus GDP. Japan, as always, one of the highest, 237%. Iron ore price down 2.4% overnight, but doesn't seem to be doing any damage. BHP up 1%, Rio up 0.7. Banks are mostly down, but it's almost irrelevant, a few cents. Bit of chatter about the JobKeeper cliff as JobKeeper ends at the end of the month. Bit of chatter as well about insurance companies and how much money it's going to cost them from New South Wales flooding. Airtasker has IPO'd today a day late, thanks to a bit of a cock-up by the ASX. The code is ART. You can hear me typing it in. ART listed at 65, now 99, hit high of $1.16, up 53%, and it was five times oversubscribed, so pretty much to be expected. Other items were Peter Warren, an East Coast car dealership, looking at an IPO worth a billion dollars. There's a fine line between car dealers being worth nothing and being worth a billion dollars. If you were going to time the sale of your car dealership, post-pandemic is the time. So good bit of timing there. Also, we've seen Katmandu. Results today, share price up 1.3%. Right, moving on, I have spent the morning writing about the pandemic crash and recovery. We are a year from the bottom of the market in the pandemic. Last year, market bottomed at 23rd or on 23rd of March. We are now the 23rd of March. The market, the ASX 200 is up 51.59% since. And amazingly, it's taken 365 days to go up 51.59%. We're still below the peak. We are 5.7% below the peak. And from peak to trough in February and March last year, we fell 38% in, from what I haven't counted the days, but I think from memory, it was 23 trading days. So down 38% in 28 trading days and up 51.59% in a year. Now I have updated the All Lords spreadsheet today. Sorry, I should have done that last Saturday, but the data source changed, which required our 
hours of work. Anyway, I did that this morning and use the All Ordinary spreadsheet, which you can obviously access from the menu on the right hand side of the newsletter or from the extras tab, sorry, the tools tab. Well, I've used the All Odds spreadsheet today to highlight the performance of stocks over the last year. So in other words, from the bottom of the pandemic and isolated out the top 20 best and worst performers in the biggest 100 stocks, in the second biggest 100 stocks and in the all ordinaries overall and try to draw some lessons. I've got 15 lessons from the pandemic for you today, which is all about how to handle a correction, how to handle a recovery using the lessons from the last year. Now, there are a few of them, but one of the interesting things is I've put in the performance tables, including PEs, yields, and revenue growth. And one of the abiding lessons here, I won't go through them all one by one, but one of the abiding lessons is that if you relied on fundamentals in these very volatile times when there is a correction, if you relied on fundamentals to pick stocks, you simply would fail because some of the best performers here, which included stocks like APT, Zipco, Linus, WiseTech, have got zero yields and negative, if not exponential, PEs. And the only way you would have really picked them out is on revenue growth or trend rather than fundamentals. So one of the first lessons is that when buying for a recovery, the numbers aren't really going to help you. It is a sentiment game. And as you've heard me say or write a hundred times, it's about watching the herd, not joining the herd and picking that pivot point. There are a few other little lessons here. I'll, I'll tell you some of them, but you can read about them in the newsletter today. And here are some of them for, this is for timing the tops and bottom of a correction. Some of the best bits of the market are in the exponential bits ahead of a correction. I once saw an old broker on TV saying, my wife and I just hope that we're going to get one more overbought equity market before I retire. And that was a recognition that a experienced broker knows that there are moments in the market where it gets irrationally exuberant. And rather than fear them, we should look forward to them. And rather than wag your finger saying things are overvalued, you need to fully participate. If you think about it, the average returns from the stock market include all the ridiculously exuberant bits. And in order to get the average, if you play chicken, you're never going to get the very exponential bits ahead of a correction. So enjoy the exuberant bits, play the game when it's on, laugh all the way to the top, let the finger waggers wag. And there are always people who are going to be more cautious than you when people are making fortunes with little effort, but you have play in those bits. Lesson two, corrections are inevitable and regular. Expect a big one, 50% every 10 years and a tradable one every three years. That would be the experience of the last 20 years anyway. Corrections come quickly. You don't have much time to react. You have to be decisive. Recoveries come slowly. It's a year since the correction and we still haven't recovered what we lost in 23 trading days or 35 days. What we lost in 35 days, we still haven't recovered. You've had plenty of time time to buy for this recovery. There's no rush to buy. There's only ever a rush to sell. You don't need to when you're thinking about buying. You don't have to 
catch the knife, the market never crashes up. You don't have to catch the bottom. One of the lessons of the last year, you've had plenty of time to buy stock. Another one is percentages are big in a correction and in a recovery and don't be scared of big percentages. So if you're one of those people who always says, oh, I can't buy it, it's up 10% in the last week or it's doubled, then you doom yourself to conservatism. I can't say it, to being conservative. Chickens don't make money. You'll never buy a 10 bagger if you don't buy a stock that's gone up 100%. There are 11 stocks in the all ordinaries that are up that have been 10 baggers in the last year. 36% of the all ordinaries have doubled, has doubled. 58% are up more than 50%. So if you'd been put off by the fact that a stock had jumped 5%, you never would have bought anything. So beware being too conservative. Now the lesson is that no one knows when the corrections are coming. That was the same in the GFC, same as the pandemic. The only people that did are really the people who happened to make the right noises at the right time and then in hindsight made a fuss about the fact that they said the right thing at the right time. Everybody's guessing all the time. All the bears are right eventually, but you can't expect anyone to pick the correction for you ahead of time. And so the lesson from that is wait for it to happen. You're in the reaction game, not prediction game. And if you think about it, if you're fearful of a correction, one of the most comforting things is to realize that whilst the market's going up, you don't have to do anything. The only time you need to get fearful is when there's a reason to be fearful, which is when you've had a great run and things are starting to go wrong. One of one of the ones for me was always that, although people criticize it, the that Collins class rule, which was not really a rule. It was just a good story. But the idea that when Wall Street falls significantly in one night and then falls again, it's a good sign that something is going wrong or something precipitous might happen. Corrections always start fast. So as you know from the pandemic, you had 23 trading days to do something about it. So look for the precipitous moments. Look for the re- look to react, expect to react, not predict. Another observation is corrections are great. What a year. What a fabulous year for opportunity in the stock market. So don't fear corrections. Welcome them. They are there to be exploited. I've got a few other lessons as well. You can read them in the strategy piece. No one will ever tell you to sell. Cash is always king. Catching the bottom of a correction is all about sentiment. At extreme moments, the market drives all. It's not about stock picking. It's about the big pivot point. Stock selection will come second to getting the market right. And recovery comes fastest when you get to stock picking. The recovery from the experience this year is that the recovery comes fastest and hardest in the stocks that have suffered the most extreme sentiment swings. So look for those. So in the last year that was, or in the in the pandemic, it was stocks like Qantas, Stockland, EDP Education, Virgin. These are some of the stocks. They're not the best stocks on the numbers by any means, but they got so deeply oversold on sentiment in the pandemic that they have rebounded the most. So identifying the extremes in the market, sentiment extremes and stocks as well will serve you well. Don't ever buy defensive stocks. Some of those defensive stocks that were performing quite well when the market was falling, A2 Milk, Fisher Paykel Healthcare, Telstra, Woolworths have been some of the worst performers over the year. You can read all about that in the strategy section, but at the end of the day, the pandemic has been great for stock market investors. Been a fabulous year of opportunities. Hopefully you played the game. And although it seems a stupid thing to say, I look forward to the next great correction. Hopefully we'll have the vigilance and you will as well. Experience and courage to exploit it, not run away from it. There are already some signs 
signs of fragility, be that money printing, excessive debt, rising interest rates in a world awash with debt, overvaluation in certain areas. There are some signs already, but the finger waggers haven't started. Usually the central banks are the first sign that things are getting a little bit exuberant. It's their job to be conservative. They're usually the first to start warning about an asset bubble. They haven't really adopted that narrative yet. And brokers will start calling the top of the market. Those are all signs. Those haven't started yet. Those are early signs, the finger waggers. So the finger waggers haven't really started yet. I don't think there's too much to fear. And anyway, we have that great peace of mind from knowing that we don't have to predict things. We just have to wake up in the morning. And when we see a terrible precipitous day on the markets, we start making decisions for now. With the market up 26 as I leave. Oh, no, it's not up 26. Press refresh. With the market up 15, banks down a little bit, resources up a little bit, technology mixed, everything pretty quiet, running into Easter. Dow futures up 25. A very normal day in the stock market. You have a fabulous day and I will speak to you tomorrow.